Welcome to the Cricket Mentoring Podcast, formerly known as The Process of Success. I'm Tom Scolle, or Scholes as I get called, and this podcast has been designed for cricketers and cricket lovers who want to learn and improve themselves. In this podcast, we interview past, current, and future cricket stars to find out more about their journey and what makes them successful, while also sharing some audio from ourselves at Cricket Mentoring. Our goal is to help you become your best on and off the field. So I hope you enjoy this podcast and get something valuable for out of it. G'day legends and welcome to this first ever episode um, of a little cricket mentoring talk show. Um, we're naming it Declared for now, but we're open to ideas um, of other names as well. So I'm Tom Scolle, or known as Skulls. I've got Blake Reed or Reedy here with me. And we're just going to be chatting a bit about what's going on in world cricket. There's so much cricket going on around the, uh, around the world at the moment. So we thought we'd just touch on a few different little things, what we're seeing, what's going on in the world of cricket. But before we start that, I'm sitting with one of the most informed batters in Western Australian grade cricket at the moment, Reedy, here. He's scored three centuries in his past four innings. Um, scores of 148 not out, 115 retired and 112. Reedy, what is the magic formula? What is sort of driving your recent success? Um, Yeah, it's tough to um, put a finger on it exactly, but um, the main thing for me is probably uh, knowing my own game a lot more. Um, I guess once you sort of narrow things down a bit for yourself and take the pressure off yourself, um, it's a lot easier just to execute and, and, and sort of score when, when those balls come but um, and it's also getting off strike a lot more um, to spin has been a huge one to, for me, not getting so bogged down, um, particularly in the two one days that was huge through the middle period for me um, and the, oh, another big one is probably um, trying not to worry about how I'm hitting him at training not letting that transfer out into the middle um, sort of going out on a Saturday and knowing that I'm in, I'm in good form and just trying to trust that as much as I can um, and going back to telling myself just to try and bat for hours and instead of being some, trying to be something I'm not which I probably got caught up in trying to sc- score faster and all that sort of stuff um, going back to my ways of, of just letting the, letting the game come to me a bit more and um, yeah it's worked out so a few things there. Um, you've always been someone, and obviously we played a lot of cricket together, you've always been someone who's able to bat for a long period of time. And, and would you say you probably went away from that and tried to just be too dynamic, tried to score too quickly, but that wasn't your game? You've, you've, like you said, you've come back in, and now yeah. your big focus is on just accumulating, letting the scoreboard look after itself. Yeah, yeah I probably, probably got sort of, opening the batting, got too boundary conscious, and it was sort of dot dot, try and hit a four kind of thing. Um, whereas I've found that sort of ones, twos, threes, four, like just manipulating the field a bit more, and um, yeah, it sort of adds up a lot quicker than that, and, and releases so much pressure. Um, and yeah, I probably was wasn't focused on um, <laughs> wasn't focused on sort of the right things when um, when I was trying to yeah be more positive um, that's because I've had I had various people telling me I needed to be score faster or and play a certain way but 
um, yeah, going back to what works for me has helped a lot. So Yeah, and that's so it's hugely important is to always try and understand what works for you and then build your game around that, not try and be something you're not. One more thing on that, which you touched on, what have you done differently in your preparation or your, your focus to allow you to score more off spin? Um, yeah, just really sort of narrowing down to like a few scoring areas um, and sort of just executing those um, looking yeah getting back to spin a lot has been a big one for me um, cutting and pulling it like making turning decent balls into scoring opportunities just to get off strike um, and sort of just not letting them bowl to me I used to let them just bowl and bowl and bowl um, and then hope and try and try and whack one out of nowhere but um, yeah this has it's been sort of yeah, a positive change for me, and um, yeah, as I said, when you, the runs start ticking over, so much easier, and through the middle overs, releases a lot of pressure. Yeah, we um, we we've sort of had a big sort of focus with our players recently, and I know obviously Blake has with his players he works with on on being able to use the depth of your crease and hit the ball on the top of its bounce. So Reedy sort of took that advice on when I started coaching it to out the athletes I work with. And it's sort of really helped his game. He said in the past about just getting back and cutting and pulling the spinners on the top of its bounce rather than just lunging forward and blocking that length ball. Um, we had a question on YouTube. Someone said, how have you stayed grounded? And my sort of add-on to that is, how have you stayed hungry to score runs? You've got So last weekend you went out to bat, you were coming off 200s in three games, and yet you went and got another 100. What's driving you and how have you stayed grounded throughout this period? Uh... I guess like, confidence helps. Like after the first one, like that was my first hundred in a, quite a long time, and that gave me a blueprint of of how I needed to play in both formats. Um, and just having that there, and then like in the back of my mind, and just sort of knowing um, if I bat for a few hours, I'm, I'm going to play like that, that. That's going to get the job done for me. So. And yeah, at training I haven't really done much differently. I've been a lot more um, relaxed and, and just trying to trust that. Yeah, I'm I'm hitting them well. I'm trying to avoid like worrying about the nets because that's been probably a big problem for me um, as a, as a junior, especially trying to be too trying to be perfect and it, it, that that was very restricting on me mentally as well. So. Um, having that blueprint and, and just sort of trying to um, bat time and stick to that has been the main thing. Um, yeah, as in terms of staying grounded, like, yeah, as you said, I love batting for like, time and it's just yeah, been about sticking to that. And, um, yeah, while you get lots of like messages of support and stuff, it's nice, but if you want to do anything in your cricket, you just... The good players, like, they, they make thousands of runs if they're in good nick so that's just been the main goal for me is to try and um, sort of knock the door down um, to play at a high level yeah and that's something we've spoken about a lot over the last few weeks is make this period count you don't know when sort of you, you get out of form or things don't go your way and we've spoken a lot about really making this count it's something that Adam Voger said to me a friend of ours a former teammate of ours years and years ago is that every single player fails every single player has bad days and bad periods but you might still end up averaging 50 or, or 60 plus whatever a, a very very good average 
because you make your good days really good. You get those big hundreds, and that's certainly something you're doing at the moment. Reed has got 600 runs for the season at an average of 75, which is the third most um, high, third highest runs in the in the competition. And hopefully, he's not done there yet with a few games to go. So awesome to have a little insight into what's making Reedy so successful at the moment. So, guys, we're gonna we're gonna move on now to um, chat a bit about world cricket, and we're gonna start in our own backyard here, the Big Bash. It's getting to the pointy end of the season. It's very, very exciting. The Sydney Sixers have already booked their place in the final this Saturday, and they will be playing against either the Thunder or the Melbourne Stars, who uh, have, have sort of fallen off yeah. off the rails a bit recently. Yeah, I think it sums up that I hear a lot of the ex-players say that it doesn't matter how you're going at the start um, of the tournament. It's all about momentum in T20s, and it yeah, it is just couldn't be more true in this situation. Um, with the stars now, they're missing a couple um, of players, and then yeah, just form is slightly going. They, they, I reckon they just start like, a bit of doubt crept in, yeah, and then it's sort of it's hung there. So yeah, well, I think they've lost their last four games, and they they were so reliant on Maxwell early in the tournament. He won them a few games, and then Stoinis has been the standout batsman of the tournament. Mm. Um, he's been exceptional, and if those two haven't sort of got the runs, it seems like the other guys haven't quite chipped in. Hopefully. From my point of view, Nick Madison has a big semi-final and final. He's a friend of mine, and the Stars will be hoping that Peter Hansen comes to the party and Nick yeah. Larkin and those sort of batters who probably haven't played the match-winning innings they need. Um, great to see Clint Hinchcliffe, a Perth boy, um, who hasn't had too many opportunities in the past doing well. Um, obviously, playing we play against him, but he's someone who... Um, I admire and he's doing quite well with both bat and ball at the moment. But the Thunder have been the surprising packet in the last few weeks, haven't they? Yeah, they've... Relying on some good experienced players, like the Ferguson's been fairly consistent. Um, Sam's as well with the ball, he's, he's got the golden cap, or that's what you call it, yeah. isn't it? the golden cap. So, And he's um, executed well under pressure for them. So I think, yeah, they have been a bit of a surprise. I think Hales has been a good aggressive um, option up the top to go with Kawaja. Um, and then, yeah, they've sort of batted around a couple of guys and, and managed to get it done, really. that You wouldn't say they're an explosive team but they they defend well yeah. I think that's a big key especially on the slower decks they're suited to the Sydney wickets mm. so I they take pace helped. off the ball well and, and I think Hales has been massive in the last few must win games they had to win against the, um, the Scorchers in a rain affected match um, then they had to obviously knock out match against Hobart and the last match against um, Strikers again it's all do or die for them and Hales has come to the party I think the, the best players stand up under pressure generally, some, not always, you can't do it every time, but Hales has certainly proven his class in the last few weeks. Now moving on to the team of the tournament, which cricket.com.au has published recently, what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, yeah, the, as I touched on there, I think the main thing out of it is um, experience seems to be winning matches for, for all teams. Um, I look at Wells, Siddle, Ferguson and Sams, as I said, that they've in the clutch, they sort of step up. Wells, in particular, and Siddle at the at the death, have been, yeah, next level really. So, yeah, cricket's sort of going in in a full circle where the young, like the youth, isn't always the answer. The ones that whack it out of the park, it's sort of having a good head on your shoulders and executing when you need it. I think is um, the, the main key to, and reasons that they're doing well. Yeah, you can't buy experience, as I say. So those who haven't seen it, team of the tournament, Stoyness. Josh Inglis from the Scorchers, Wade, Matthew Wade from the Hurricanes, Glenn Maxwell, captain from the Stars, obviously. Our man, John Wells from the Strikers, uh, Mitch Marsh, uh, a good friend as well. 
from the Scorchers, Tom Curran from the Sixers, Rashid Khan from the Strikers, Daniel Sams from the Thunder, Peter Siddle from the Strikers, and Hasif Ralph from the Stars, who's got a uh, beautiful story and has done very well for the Stars, coming from nowhere, really. Um, Unfortunately, our boy, also our ambassador, Josh Phillippe, didn't quite make it, but he's been outstanding as well. We've got sort of two ambassadors for cricket mentoring in the Big Bash. John Wells, who's the third most uh, on the the runs with 478 runs at an average of 68 and a strike rate of 135.41. And then uh, Josh Phillippe is fifth on the most runs with 435 runs at an average of 36 and a strike rate of 125. So Flip, a little unlucky not to make the team of the carnival, but as as Reedy said there, that it's a pretty experienced team of the carnival. And there were some uh, unlucky guys not to make it, but... Australia would do pretty well with that sort of that sort of uh, lineup, and Matty Wade did well, only playing a handful of games, I think. Yeah, well, Wade's always is suited to this format. I think he had just plays with so much freedom, no fear of losing his wicket, and it pays off more often than not. Um, it's good to see Mitch Marsh firing again because that's good for Australian cricket, I think. Um, and yeah, it'd be interesting if they give Wellesley a go in the Australian squad. Um, I, I think he deserves a crack. But yeah, yeah. He's some played, big names he's, he's got to get past. He's so. played that specialist number five role incredibly well all season, um, and it's not something that everyone can do. Uh, it's a pretty sort of specific spot to come in, whatever the situation, whether it's the last three overs and you've got to whack it out the park, or whether it's rebuilding after three for not many. He's done it incredibly well, time and time again. Not this this year, but over the last few years. So. It would be awesome to see him get an opportunity um, higher honours for Australia. And also, hopefully our boy Flip will get an opportunity as well. Who He had a quick, pretty quiet period throughout the middle, but then came good um, and, he's, and he's really been flourishing. When, as soon as Steve Smith came back in the side, yeah. Flip, Flip has been excellent. And on that note, the Sixers are going to be so hard to beat. I, I remember saying it to a few guys a little while ago, with Smith, Lyon, Hazelwood back in their side, and then you, you add in Vince and Curran as they're overseas, Flip's firing. Yeah. Um, Abbott and Dorcious are, are great bowlers and, and hard to get away. Daniel Hughes and Moses and Reeks, extremely experienced. I think they're going to be so tough to beat in Sydney this Saturday. Um, but if anyone's going to do it, it might, it might be the, the stars with I, Maxwell and Stoinis. Yeah, and, and I think having Harris Ralph back for the stars is huge. You, you can't... Yeah, they don't. The quick bowlers don't get any slower. Like they, they always put you under pressure, no matter, no matter who you are. So, and I think he's a good return. Last has he, has he been back for one or two? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think he'll make a big difference for them. Yeah. Now moving on, as, as we've said, so much cricket going on around the world. We're going to talk about the Under Nineteen World Cup. This is the sort of demographic we sort of follow quite co- closely with all the athletes we work with um, here in Perth and around the world. Um, so. We've got the semi-finals coming up between India and Pakistan and then New Zealand and Bangladesh, which we're going to talk about shortly. But the Aussies um, have had an up-and-down tournament. They started poorly with a loss against the West Indies, which was pretty unexpected. Um, They then won their next couple as they scraped over the line against England when they probably shouldn't have won, thanks to Connor Sully at the end, um, to make the quarterfinals. They lost another reasonably close one against India, which probably was expected. India are generally the powerhouse of under-19 cricket. Um, And then overnight, the Aussies scraped over the line yet again. They kept Afghanistan under-19s to 7th, 191 off 50 overs. And the Aussies got it with one ball to spare. Tanvir Sangar, the absolute star of the show, 4 for 41 off his 10, bowling his leggies, and then 46 not out of 40 balls. That's a pretty good game, though. Yeah, no, that's very handy, and it's been interesting um, 
the the close games that Australia have been in have come down to that middle to lower order. Um, I guess that's been a bit disappointing from the top order, not taking um, all the responsibility there, but in the run chases and whatnot. But it's interesting there that some of their lower order players have been able to execute and, and get it done um, at the back end. Mm, and that's been a theme. New Zealand beat the West Indies to, to qualify for the semi-final with two balls to spare. Um, they were 8 for 153, chasing the West Indies 238. And then number 9, Joey Field, 38 not out of 58. And then number 10, Christian Clark, 46 not out of 42, got them home. So guys, if you're younger and you're watching this, you're listening to this, you have to be an all-rounder in this day and age. Yep. If, you, if you bowl, you have to be able to bat. bat bowlers who bat 8, 9, 10, 11 win, win games for teams these days. The batters often go hard at the top. They might be more inconsistent than in the past. But bowlers are expected to bat, and batters that can bowl are, are just as valuable. So everyone needs to be, young cricketers need to be working on their, yep. on their second and third skill, don't they? Yeah, and I, well, we see it every single week in grade cricket. When it, it always comes after a long day, 90 over days we play and, and it gets down to the 80th and all of a sudden there's, we need three wickets or something and um, the batting team might only need 30 runs but you need them to be able to bat and, and yeah, perform for you. But, and we've seen lots of collapses happen, particularly in, in Melbourne v Perth that game. But um, yeah, it's amazing how often it comes down to those last few. It does and just for those watching or listening... Uh, when I played Reedy earlier in the season, his side were um, four wickets down, needing three to win, yeah. and we took six for none off six balls to get us home. So that was one of the more remarkable games of cricket we've both been involved in. Involved in awesome from my point of view, yeah. terrible from his point of view. But yeah, something we'll look back on and just think, wow, what happened there? And for the Aussies, uh, Mackenzie Harvey got a, a half century early in the tournament, uh, but it's been pretty disappointing since then. Obviously. Um, contracted player with Victoria in the captain so hopefully he'll stand up in the last game Ollie Davies after whacking Canada around in the warm up game an unbelievable innings of 90 odd off 27 balls um, hasn't done too much but um, hopefully those two get some runs in the last game Sam Fanning my Perth teammate has stood up in the last couple of games against India a very hard fought 75 and then 62 last night against Afghanistan and great to see young Cooper Conley, another Perth guy, um, who's got so much potential, so much ahead of him, um, get a game last night, bowled a few overs and spent a little bit of time in the middle. So he's going to be better for it. He's going to come back with a month's worth of knowledge and, and know what to do for the next World Cup, which he's eligible for. So um, it'd be great to see who, who sort of what happens from here. I imagine India will probably win the tournament. They're a pretty amazing side, pretty strong side, the India under-19. So yeah. who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, I think... Um India's depth in their cricket network is just phenomenal. So, and all their batters come in with so much experience already, um, technically so sound and, yeah, very tough, especially with white, in white ball cricket. Um, they're just very tough to get through. Yeah, they seem to produce technically correct batsmen and fast bowlers fast and bowlers, exceptional yeah. spinners. And it might be because they've got millions and millions of people playing cricket. That's their culture, it's their religion, it's what they love. So they've got so much um, sort of talent, let's call it, or skilled players to choose from compared to other countries, but they are just producing so many phenomenal cricketers. And it just shows them, it means that India is going to be top of world cricket for a very long time. They're going to be hard to beat for, for the near future at least. So moving on to the women's triangular series going at the moment. Women's cricket is, is going gangbusters around the world. 
And there's a great little triangular series going on here in Australia between Australia, England and India. And we've seen some great matches so far. Um, India got over the line against England a few days ago. And then on Saturday when I was playing club cricket, um, we were sitting in the um, change rooms, uh, sorry, the club rooms at lunchtime. And Australia, when we first came in, we had a 30-minute break. were down and out. They were six or seven down, needing about 50 off four or five overs. And they got it to a super over. It was a huge effort by the lower order. Annabelle Sutherland making her debut, um, got 22 not out and played beautifully, combined with a few other tail. And again, it comes back to the tail being able to bat, everyone having to chip in and do their role. Got it to a super over. And super overs have been a theme recently with obviously the World Cup final a little while ago, but then so many super overs in the India versus New Zealand series. But uh, an awesome match, awesome, awesome for cricket, awesome for women's cricket. England got over the line in the end. pretty comfortably in the super over they they dominated but Elise Perry has been unbelievable one for nine off four overs in that game how good she got yeah no she's um next level um she sort of never never panics no matter what situation um battle ball and sort of the game game sort of evolves around her um and I think yeah she she just knows her game and that doesn't doesn't leave that doesn't um try and be too expansive and Make, make sure that she's the one getting the job done um, mm. and taking responsibility. Um, I think Australia's depth is going... Like, they're relying on their depth at the moment. I don't think they're firing um, to their full potential, which is pretty scary mm. and um, a good sign f- for the World Cup coming up. So mm. I think they'll be, uh, yeah, hard to beat. Well, Alyssa Healy hasn't got any runs yet and no. she's obviously one of the best players in the world. Meg Lanning missed the last game. Didn't get in the first, so if those two start firing, as you say, Australia will be very hard to beat. They're the world reigning world champions and, and really sort of... I, might, I hope I'm right in saying that. They might not be, actually, yeah, but they, um, they are going to be very hard to beat. Um, and then the next day, Australia beat India with, again, Elise Perry, the star. One for 13 or four overs. What amazing figures they are, backing up one for nine or four overs, and then she got runs to go with it. What a complete cricketer she is. Yeah, I think... Uh, I think I watched a bit of that innings and um, in, with, with the state of the game where that was, there, there was no real scoreboard pressure, I think, because um, they, they bowled well in the first innings. And um, some other players still panicked um, and, and went away from their games, but she just knocked it around. And, yeah, as I said, she was just hungry to be there at the end and, and win it. Mm. for the team so and she just like you said before she just wants to be in the game whether it's with the ball or with the bat or in the field she just wants to be in the game the best players I think they're not they don't fear failure they're not scared of making a mistake in the heat of the moment they want to be in the game they accept that they might get it wrong they accept they might make a mistake but they really want to be in the game and that's what allows them to succeed that's what allows them to play at their best when the pressure's on they're not thinking about the negative they're thinking about the positive and Elise Perry certainly does that? She was forty nine um, when they were chasing only one hundred and three, and definitely, definitely got them home. Wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have got home without her. So, really interesting little series. Probably the three best sides in women's cricket: India, yeah. Australia, and England. So, you'd imagine there'll be some uh, there'll be some close matches between them throughout the World Cup, and it could be won by anyone. Whoever shows up on the day, whoever shows up in the weeks of the tournament, is going to win the tournament. So. It's all well and good to play well leading into it, but on the day, it's, it's whoever the, the better team is. And on that note, a little shout-out to Tanya Bhatia, who's the wicketkeeper for the India team. We met Tanya when we were in India in April last year. Did a little bit of work with her, did some work on her batting and watched her train with her keeping. 
at the Kanata Institute of Cricket. So good luck to her. We really wish her well and hope she has a really good series in World Cup. Uh, moving on to, I think some of our listeners and viewers will be wondering why we haven't spoken about this already, but India versus New Zealand. And gee, India were dominant, weren't they? Yeah, they were clinical again. Um, I think, yeah, their white ball dominance goes back to their, their like they're technically so sound and the, the white balls doesn't do much um, on flat pitches. Yeah, they just they just trust themselves so much that yeah, it's very hard to dismiss them. But their bowlers um, seem to be executing way more than anyone else in with the white ball. So mm. I think that's that's the big difference there. But in yeah, when it comes down to it in the super overs, um, they just know how to do it they, they, they're so good at um, yeah executing executing I don't, yeah I don't know it's just a, I guess they, they play like IPL they've done it all so much so often and I think I think it shows massively um, compared to New Zealand who have lost what is it four super overs in a row or something ridiculous mm, you've um, got a feel for New Zealand obviously losing yeah. the World Cup in the final in the fashion they did yeah. and then to be sort of go down in two super overs in this, this tournament was You've got to feel for them. But like you say, India, no matter who the playing 11 are, and they seem to bring guys in for different series. Yeah. They, they seem to have new faces all the time. They're trying new bowlers and new middle-order batters. No matter who it is, they just seem to get the job done. And that goes back to their depth. India just is a production line of world-class cricketers. And I think the IPL does have a huge impact on that. They play so much cricket with all the other best players in the world coming into their backyard yeah. and they learn from them. You've got four overseas players per, per match, but then per, you've got the others that aren't playing and they can feed, the young Indians can feed off them and learn off them. Um, and and the, whoever it is that comes in just knows knows how to do it. And even without Kohli in the final game, India were just too strong. And they had Boomer come and find his form towards the end of the tournament. Um, started poorly, but obviously came back and showed his classes as the best players do. But KL Rahul, he's been huge. He's been talked about a lot, it seems, lately. He bats in the middle, he bats number three, he bats at the top, he wicket keeps when needed, and in the final game when uh, Kohli wasn't playing and then Rohit Sharma retired hurt was injured, Kale Rahu took, the, took over the captaincy and it probably shows the responsibility and the leadership he's, he's had over the last year and he's becoming one hell of a player. Yeah, well, we were lucky enough to watch him play for Punjab Kings Eleven in the IPL and um, watching him live, I think, is he captain that team as well? So. He might have been, yeah. I think he captains that team as well. So and so he's gaining lots of experience there. But I, I remember watching him bat, him in particular, and seeing how late he plays the ball and how much time he has um, against the quickest bowlers you can think of um, was like mind blowing and makes it look very easy. Um, but yeah, he's he's going to be. I think he's cemented his spot. He's had to do a lot of hard work and and sort of. As we said, that there's so many guys competing for one spot in that side f- for five years to even get a chance, you know, and they will have to make mountains and mountains of runs. And I think he's finally, finally cracked it and, and will stay there. Yeah, well, to bat. Well, when Darwin is done, he will he will be there for, yeah, for the rest. Yeah, he's, he's so versatile. Where wherever it is, he's incredibly versatile. Finished the series 224 runs at an average of 56 and a strike rate of 144. The most ever I saw somewhere um, by a individual in a bilateral series. So, yeah, huge, um, huge tournament from Kaurahu. 
take a quick break from the podcast for a minute to thank our sponsors, Grove Cricket. Grove is the best gear in the business, and we absolutely love using it. Guys, if you're interested in some Grove Cricket gear, then send us a message on Instagram. Let us know what you're after, and we can help you become a user of Grove. And in doing so, you can support what we're doing here at Cricket Mentoring. It is awesome gear, and I'm sure you'll love it as much as we do. Now, let's get back to this episode. Now, one little controversial topic um, to finish us off. And, guys, I hope you've enjoyed this format. Um, let us know what you think. Love to hear your, your feedback in the comments below. Let us know what you want us to talk about, what's going on in the world, um, if we want to answer a few questions, etc. But there was a controversial run-out in the Under-19 World Cup. Um, for those of you that don't know, uh, someone was man-catted, backing up. Um, and it's created, it's divided the cricket world yet again. Some people think it's fine because it's within the rules of the game. Some people think it's not right because it's not within the spirit of the game. So it's a bit of a grey area. What are your thoughts on that, Reedy? No, I think it's poor for cricket. Um, and I think it's yeah, a bit of a failure in, in the sis, underage system if, if people think it's all right to, to do that. And I think they've either got to come up with a rule um, sort of... Yeah, making it clear if it's right or wrong, or, or just get rid of it all completely. Like, just bin it forever because it's just it's not not a nice thing to see. It's not a nice thing. However, the other side of the argument is Mitchell Johnson wrote a tweet and said that he's spoken about this in the past when it's happened. That um, why should batters be allowed to back up too far? Yeah. That's cheating in his mind. So I suppose that, like I said, there's two two arguments to it. But the fact that there's a grey area, it's, it's not. It's in the rules to be able to do it, to yeah. be able to run them out, but it's not within the spirit of the game. And the spirit of the game is something that everyone respects immensely and it's something that's upheld very well and that's probably one of the unique things about cricket it's, is yeah. that we play within the spirit but sometimes not within the rules and, and whatever. Um, but I do, I do agree, though, that, that, that there needs to be some way to restrict batters from also getting the half a pitch head start when... When it's at the end of an innings, I, I think, yeah, there's something needs to be done. I don't know how or what it is, but, um, yeah, it's a tricky situation. It, it needs to be discussed because it creates controversy, it creates friction, it creates unhappiness, and that's not something we want in this great game. We've just had the... We're here in my kitchen. We've just had the washing machine going on. <laughs> what dishwasher going on in the background? So hopefully that hasn't made the sound uh, too bad, but we're just keeping it raw and real here for you guys at Cricket Mentoring. So... On that note, that is the world of cricket. We've spoken for about half an hour, so hopefully you guys have found that interesting, got some value out of that. Um, Skulls and Reedy here just trying to share our thoughts and opinions. We might dive a little bit deeper into certain things in the future, but hopefully you've enjoyed our little discussion, our little chat to be put on YouTube and also into a podcast. So if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please subscribe to our podcast. Please check out our website, cricketmentoring.com. Check out our Instagram if you haven't done so. And, uh, yeah, we're just here to give you guys value and help you become the best you can be on and off the field. So, Reedy, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, mate. And, Legends, get it done. See you soon, Legends. Legends.